0: Hi, I'm Dr. Craig Malkin and welcome back to my podcast for my book, Rethinking Narcissism, the bad and surprising good about feeling special. In today's episode, I'll speaking, I'll be speaking a little about what brought me to the work I do, what inspired me to write Rethinking Narcissism and why you need to know about healthy narcissism. What happens when you don't have it? Uh, when I think about what drew me to this subject, I often am joking with my wife about this because somehow it's not surprising that a psychologist would say, well, the reason I got involved in this and so interested in it it all goes back to my mother. But in this case, it is really true. My mother was extremely narcissistic. Um, She had a very difficult childhood herself. Um, She was often physically and emotionally abused. And I think one of the ways that she learned to cope with that was to turn to all these different ways of feeling better, standing out from the rest of the 7 billion people on the planet, feeling smarter, feeling more attractive. And that's a big part of what makes narcissism so unhealthy when it starts to get out of control. But what's so interesting about my experience with my mother is that when she was younger I remember having really fond memories of her I remember I can picture her holding me in her lap and telling me how much she loved me I can remember her holding my hand when I was upset about something I don't know that she was always the best listener when it came to exactly how i was feeling but i did feel like she was there for me and it was only as i grew older and she grew older that i started to see some of the biggest problems i think looking back one of the things that troubled her most was uh, she was a striking nearly six foot tall blonde she was uh, most people thought she was extremely attractive She certainly stood out in a crowd and she could take over a room with her storytelling. And I think as she got older and her looks started to fade, she became more self-conscious. She lost a lot of her confidence. And as that happened, I saw another side of her. in, in retrospect, these there were probably hints of this early on. As I said, I don't know that she was always the best at listening to exactly how I felt, but she certainly enjoyed trying to cheer me up when I was upset about something. But uh, as she grew older, she became deeply self-involved. And I remember a number of instances, one where I had uh just had a really upsetting breakup, and I wanted to talk to her about it. Um, She was one of the few people I had at the time. It was just the circumstances of my life as I was working to save money to go to graduate school. And I was telling her about this breakup. And she just sort of looked off into the distance and dreamily muttered something about, I never had any trouble dating anyone. I forgot to mention she was, she was English, extremely British, had a real upper, upper class English accent that I don't know that I did justice just then. But that was a big part of her persona, I think. And, uh, when she said that, I just remember being flabbergasted that that she felt that I would experience that in any way as supportive or something that would be helpful for me to hear. I remember another time, I, math does not come as easily to me, although I do love it, and particularly advanced math, and I remember I was practicing for this one test and I was working really, really hard on it, and I finally figured out the answer. This is when I was probably 16 or 17 and I finally figured out the answer and again she was there and I ran I ran up and I said, oh, I figured it out, I figured it out. And she glanced at it and she said, really without missing a beat, uh, I used to be able to do problems in math just like that. She snapped her fingers. So, again, I was devastated by that because this is something I'd worked really hard at. And I even at the time, I realized that this was because my mother so wanted to shore herself up, so wanted to reassure herself that she still had wonderful, special qualities. Uh, and in particular that she was very, very smart and that that somehow in the moment that letting me know math was really easy for her was far more important than supporting me and how hard I'd just worked. I didn't really care, uh, that I didn't really care whether or not she said, oh, you did that really well, or that was a great job. I think I just needed some recognition that I had pushed hard and I had gotten through something that was really difficult for me. And and much in the way that she struggled to do that when I was upset over the breakup, she certainly struggled to do that over this situation where I had felt like I'd had this breakthrough. That somehow stung less than uh, my conversation with her about my breakup. But they they had in common that sense that she didn't really get the impact that she was having on me. And this is how uh, her narcissism became more and more apparent until it really reached a pinnacle later on in life when my father had died and, and my wife and I were moving her, my, my mother to a new place smaller. And we'd pretty much done all the moving ourselves. She was mostly focused on, running out and spending the little money that we raised from selling what, what possessions my parents had that had any value to help fund the move. She was busy spending all of that on, on decorations, she said, and she was taking off in taxis and staying in hotels and just really, uh, down on both my wife and i even though we worked really hard to find her a place which wasn't easy to do at with how little money that we had i was in graduate school my wife jennifer was not working at that point and and my mother really had burned through all her savings and i remember her disappearing into the back room at once after at one point after grumbling and Coming came clomping out, in what she told us were Manolo Blahniks. They were like three, four inch stilettos, and she just announced with a sigh, "There, that's better. At least my shoes feel are better than this place." And you know that's when it struck me that what was missing. What my mother wasn't able to do was to tell us, my wife and I, that she was scared or she was lonely or she was overwhelmed. And instead, she turned to feeling special. And when she was younger, she did it with her looks. In this case, she was doing it with just her shoes what actually that actually made her sort of tower above us all. But the one thing that she couldn't say was, I, I'm scared and I need help. I was left with the puzzle of trying to figure out how to reconcile these sides of my mother, my image of her when I was younger, of how she could be there for me in her own way, of how she could have moments of caring and empathy. And then this deeply more and more self-involved woman who would name drop celebrities I don't know that she'd even met and show off the fact that she could still do plies and parade around in and clothes that she said that she had made i'm sure she had uh, but then insist on everybody looking at it and she just was not paying attention to anyone or anything other than what seemed to make her feel like she was in the spotlight I was faced with this puzzle of figuring all of that out. And so I poured myself into the task when I went to undergrad, undergraduate, and I learned about narcissism. I felt like I had words for what was going on with her, but nothing quite fit because it didn't really make sense of the paradox. The fact that even as she grew older and became more difficult, I could still see these moments of the mother that i felt like i once knew and i wanted to make sense of all of that i also wanted to help people understand that that is not unusual that uh that the wonderful and the awful often coincide in extremely narcissistic people because it gets very very confusing Uh, People in relationships, when they fall in love with someone or they have friends and they see that they can at times be terrific and fun or at least even seem like good listeners. And then other times they just seem completely emotionally tone deaf and come out with uh, uh, appalling non-sec orders like my mother where it sort of brings it back to them. And those things coexist. And the one thing I wasn't seeing in the books was an attempt to help people understand how and why that is possible. So I wrote Rethinking Narcissism to try and tie all of this together. Uh, At the time of the writing of the book, there were three different kinds of narcissism. Uh, I won't bother to rattle them all off. Uh, but four, if you include healthy narcissism, because there's research on healthy narcissism and none of it seemed to tie together at all. There is no way of making, making sense of what any of these things had to do with another. And I wanted to provide a clear and simple path. Uh, I wanted to give people direct answers to questions because once you start to understand narcissism and exactly what drives people to become extremely narcissistic, as is what happened with my mother in her case. Uh, Questions like, should I stay in this relationship or should I go? The answers become a lot more, a lot simpler. I actually give a simple three week strategy in rethinking narcissism for answering that question. There there are very clear signs that you should leave a relationship, and I wanted people to have them. There are very clear signs uh, when it's dangerous to stay in a work situation. So I give research back strategies, six back strategies, for people to figure out whether or not there's any point in even trying to stay in the workplace. I, I wanted to give people... Uh, very clear advice who are worried about all the talk of a narcissism epidemic and millennial narcissism that their kids because of selfies and social media are all going to turn out to be these extremely narcissistic creatures that are taking over the earth and ruining it for everyone i wanted to give very clear and simple advice for uh based on the research and i provide eight Keys really for raising healthy, self confident children. So once you approach narcissism in a different way, once you think of it as instead of just an obnoxious, fixed personality trait, but a habit a habit that becomes potentially addictive that people turn to when they're feeling scared or lonely or sad to soothe themselves, much the way somebody who struggles with a substance abuse problem soothes themselves instead of turning to relationships. Once you understand it in that way, all these answers become much clearer and even figuring out how to talk to somebody who's extremely narcissistic and when to just end the conversation, all that becomes clear. So this rethinking narcissism is really for anyone who's ever wondered if there was a, a partner or a friend who's extremely narcissistic and whether or not. There's even any hope for the relationship. It's for anyone who's ever been touched by extreme narcissism in the workplace and wants to figure out how to protect themselves. What are the clearest signs of danger? You know, what should you do? Uh, when you are dealing with a narcissistic colleague or coworker, and I wanted to write a book for people to navigate the world of today with social media and to understand all of the worries that we have about the way using Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or any social media platform somehow reinforces our needs for attention and and feeling like we're important uh, because that's what most of us associate with narcissism so all those are all the reasons why i wrote rethinking narcissism It, it, it was a very personal project for me because really in the end i wanted to figure out how to help people in the same way i learned to with my mother uh talk to people that they love who might struggle with extreme narcissism and to figure out if they're not in danger, because there are dangers, and I will get into those. If they're not in danger, what do you do to protect yourself, and how do you help yourself? And that is why I wrote Rethinking Narcissism. I wanted it to be a very practical book that people people could pick up, and they could breeze through it, and they could read the even the key points and figure out what they needed to what they needed to know and apply it to their lives. I even have, as I'll get into in, uh, in the next episodes or the following episodes, I'll tell you all about the narcissism test that we put together. So you can even figure out how narcissistic you are and even what it means uh, to have low narcissism because that's something you need to know about as well. Remember I mentioned in the introduction, if you heard it, that... Uh, I Am a Recovered Echoist, and I want to tell you all about that. If you want to go to the uh, www.drcraigmalkin.com, D-R-C-R-A-I-G-M-A-L-K-I-N, as in Nancy.com, and take the test, uh, you can find it on my website. And if you go to drcraigmalkin.com, the book, you can read more about the book and um, and even order it if you'd like to order it already. But I've got plenty more to tell you about it. Uh, you can also find links to follow me on Facebook and social media uh, and Twitter, excuse me, on my website and definitely on on the same page where you can take the test. And I encourage you to do that as well. If you take the test, you get all kinds of research-backed feedback and tips uh, that i developed with my colleagues as a result of putting the test together so i hope you'll check it out and i hope you'll stay tuned for my next episode about rethinking narcissism the bad and surprising good about feeling special thanks for listening